0: The front third of the gallery rotates every month, and then the back two thirds are resident artists. So ev- the openings are fantastic. You get a lot of cross pollination going through, a lot of various people going through, looking at work, and it's just a really, really great vibe. It's super unpretentious, and it's great for you know artists showing for the first time. And I, I always try to you know show people for the first time, and they and honestly, curating has been one of the best things for me as an artist. Uh, really sharpening my eye and sharpening my my taste as a photographer. It's absolutely helped me.
1: Hello, and welcome to Here in L.A., Carthay Circle Edition. Today, we sit down with Michael Rababay. Is that how you say it? We'll find out. He's a photographer, a filmmaker, and a curator. In fact, Michael recently came out with a new book of photos called California Love, a visual mixtape, where he collected fantastic photos and does something special with them. We'll talk Carthay Circle, Heavy Metal, and his wife who produced The Iron Chef. Let's get to it. I am here in Carthay Circle. Yes. With Mike Rababy.
0: Or you could call me Michael Rababi. Michael <laughs>
1: Rababi. <laughs> You know, someday they're going to put together a uh, mixtape of me mispronouncing all the names of my incredible guests. Nice. Michael Rababi. Yeah, Rababi. Yeah.
0: I have a, a, I worked in TV for 20 years. I have an announcer reading my voice on my website. It's on SoundCloud. So you could use that.
1: Like a famous (laughs) (laughs) announcer Oh, dude, it's so good.
0: And now, ladies
1: and gentlemen, Michael Rababi. It's so good. What TV show was it? Uh
0: I, I worked in TV for god over 20 years. And it was um, I did I was doing a promo and I, I was young, so instead of just taking the the random person that everybody used, I like spent a day going through every possible option that I had and I found this older trailer guy from like the seventies. Yes and then when I brought him in, the sound guy was like, Oh yeah, of course we know him. He's like a legend. But I guess he wasn't working that much because he was kind of I guess maybe not in vogue at the time. But uh, yeah. Pretty incredible. Uh, Chuck Riley is the
1: guy's name. He's no longer with
0: us. And the guy has the pipes.
1: So yeah, I'll, I'll, you could play it. I'll play it for you. Perfect. Okay. Well, Michael, thank you for having me in your home. Um, Cafe Circle is about a couple blocks. It's, I guess it's, it, it butts right up next to the new Academy Museum of Motion Pictures.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think Carthay Circle is the west part of Miracle Mile. And Miracle Mile, I think, is mainly Wilshire. So Carthay Circle is kind of more of a circular area that goes a little bit south as well. And I I, I don't know much about the history, although I did see a vintage, I saw a vintage photo a while ago of some marquee or some spotlight at at an event that was noting Carthay Circle. So there may have been some theater here or it may have been like right on Wilshire. So uh, yeah, Carthay Circle, who knew?
1: And I would, I would also maybe say the most western part of L.A. before you hit Beverly Hills.
0: Uh, yeah, it butts up. This is Beverly Hills adjacent, as every landlord <laughs> in the neighborhood will, will attest to. Do, do they <laughs> list the
1: apartments like that?
0: I think I used to live on Pico and Robertson, and they call that Beverly Hills adjacent. Right. I even saw Beverly Wood being called Beverly Hills adjacent. <laughs> so it's a pretty, I don't think it's uh, something that's uh, regulated very much.
1: I would think that this is a great neighborhood in part because it's so central.
0: It's honestly fantastic. I, I lived here since the early 90s, sorry, uh, since the mid 90s. And I'd lived uh, in Beachwood Canyon in the past. And I've spent a lot of time on the west side. I have friends that live in Playa del Rey in Venice, friends that live downtown, friends that live in the valley. and. For me, it's not a big deal for me to go to to the beach. It's not a big deal to go downtown or pop over uh, um, Laurel Canyon into the valley. But if you're in the valley, if you're in these other places, like if you're if you're west of the 405, it's it's almost impossible once you get to a certain age to cross the 405. It's so it's such a it's like. It's like Moses, you know, have, having to part this, the Red Sea to get a, to cross the freeway um, and to leave Venice. I mean, Venice is great. You know, a lot of people don't want to leave Venice. But uh, yeah, that's what I love about this area is it's it's
1: central. Uh, and soon you're going to have a subway right right around here. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which will be fantastic. Yeah. And um, But I would think for somebody who works in Hollywood, this is super ideal. Um, also, somebody if it, it, it I think out of towners may not realize how often people have to go to Beverly Hills if they're in the industry or around the industry.
0: Yeah. A lot of doctor's offices, Beverly Hills.
1: My, my tax lady's in Beverly Hills. Yeah, my yeah. dentist was, is, I mean, a half mile away from here. Yeah. You, you just end up around here. And if you don't live here, it sometimes it can be a hassle, like what you're saying about Venice. So also this building is fantastic. This apartment that you've got Amazing! Very lucky. Our our
0: management company landlord super cool. Uh, it's from 1934, I think. And a little uh, trick on how you could tell if you if you have the original uh, toilet, you could lift up the, the, um, the, the top of it, and it has the stamp of the date on it. And if it didn't get replaced, that'll tell you the date pretty close wow. to when the when the building was
1: built. That's... And ours says 1934. I can show you over. What well, per- perfect perfect tip? Thank you. You've got built-ins in here. You've got high ceilings uh molding crown molding yeah um hardwood floor but also what's rare i've not seen in an la apartment in your bedroom you have real carpeting
0: yeah that came a little later i think because there was a generation that loved the hardwood or hardwood floors were standard and then carpet came uh, to be popular and i think our generation grew up with carpets then we wanted hardwood floors again but uh yeah carpeting yeah
1: i i I like wall-to-wall carpeting i get cold in the winter Especially in the bedroom. How nice is it?
0: Bedroom. Yeah, it's nice to have carpeting in the bedroom because it muffles the sound also. So for, oh, for noises going you. both ways. Yeah. Showing off a little bit. I'm
1: well, big. <laughs> sound, sound. Yeah. Sound. Accusers. It's true. It's true. Okay. Now, Michael, I know you from American Bachelor. A yes. photo book that you put out a long time ago, I feel like. When, uh, when did yeah, that we, come out? We both worked at E! back in the day. That's right. Where did you work? What department were you in? I, I was writing
0: and producing and uh, never directed there, um, doing doing promos, both for domestic and international. Oh. And then I did the news promos daily, which was a great job because you don't take anything home with you. You go in, you'd, you'd have a really tight deadline, but I'm good at sprinting. I jam, you get the deadline. And only one time I got a call, we spelled Aisha Taylor's name wrong. No. and Because she was came from E!, that was kind of a big deal. But uh, oh,
1: this was after she had left E. Correct. She, she, she was coming a, she back was as a com- guest on the news because she was on
0: Friends or something. Something. Yeah. That maybe I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But I mean, but it was a great job. And so we worked at E. This the book came out. It'll be 20 years actually next year. So uh, 2003. Yeah. So next year is the 20th anniversary. Yeah, 2023 is the 20th anniversary.
1: I, okay, also, were you living here when you worked at E? Uh, here and.
0: Because I worked at E a couple time, different times mm-hmm. in my freelance career, but I did work here. and Because and also, you could walk
1: he- correct, from here to E. Incredible. Where, where the old building was. Uh, what do you call that area over there? It's
0: right across from uh, the Tar pits. In fact, I had a That's great right. office when I was with E News uh, overlooking the Tar pits. I don't know who decided to give me that office, <laughs> that desk, but it was incredible. It's fantastic. Okay. E
1: at this time. Some of the most beautiful women walking in the halls.
0: Well, because it was the Style Network, yep. which was mostly ex-models and model fashion-oriented people. And, and then wannabe it was, models. And it was E, which was a lot of gay men. And it was G4, which was a lot of incels. <laughs> so it was
1: kind of, if you were a straight male, it was kind of like... It was nice. But also the talent was Brooke Burke. Yes. Um, Aisha was there for a little while. Um, who am I missing? Um the, uh, uh, Jules Asner. Yes, yeah, She was always super nice to me. She was really, really, i mean, t- really a doll. Also, adorable. a lot of these women were much taller than your typical Hollywood, um, female personality. Yeah. I think that might come from the modeling. Ella. Maybe it was. And so you'd see these beautiful Amazonian women <laughs> walking, walking through the halls, super happy yeah. and really nice because for the most part, the stuff that we covered in that building was very lighthearted. Yeah. You know, and um, and and this ta- these talent people get to meet all the biggest stars. Yeah, they just come right to the the, the studio and they do their little thing. Joan Joan uh, Rivers, another knockout, yeah. was yeah. Uh, working in in the building. Yeah, hilarious. I mean, Legend. it was it was a great time.
0: It was so great. And they didn't pay you that much to get too stressed out. I feel
1: they didn't pay me any, I mean, my blog is called the bus blog. Cause I had to ride the bus down here.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> I,
1: I couldn't afford a car and work there. Yeah. And so, you were in, uh, I, I did first, I did closed captioning. Okay. And then I, um, booked the studios and booked the audio rooms, which is probably where we met. Yes. Because yeah. on your promos had locked-in times, yeah, not very long times, like maybe 15, 30 minutes in the VO booth or in the audio sweetening booth. And so often you guys would have to come to me to get a little more. If, uh, if something like this Will Smith thing happened, yeah. you'd have asked for more time. yeah. So, yeah. you know, you guys were so fast, you'd want 15 minutes of time. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. So, um, boy, that was 20 years ago, and I still remember everything about that traumatic experience of working there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe note to Jordan to make sure that we, uh, D meet make sure that this is a me too friendly uh, conversation. Uh, I don't know. We're talking about Amazonian women. I said
1: did. that they were, they're <laughs> tall, they're tall, beautiful women.
0: That is true. I, so, I, I don't know what we can't
1: say. So anyhow, about. so 20 years ago, you came out with this, this cool, uh, book of photographs called American bachelor. Who's this person on the cover? The shirtless uh, man.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny because like these were all photos taken mostly in my 20s. The book came out when I was in my early 30s and it was really like a Valentine celebration to my 20s and being single. And the, the, it documents the time in a man's life between college and marriage, you know, really between like leaving home and marriage. Mm-hmm. And um and pretty much almost everybody in the book now is married. Most of them have kids. So I could do a follow-up book, you know, of, of, of like more of a family and, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. Um, uh, but the, I'm very, very proud of the book. It did really well. Uh, we, um, it was at urban, it was at urban outfitters for a while. It was at uh, Kitson and I was in Paris with a friend who took me to this bookstore called Colette or this this amazing store called Colette's, and said, "Oh, oh you got to, you got to get your book in the store." He we went, and it turns out it was in a window display, so it was already there. So wow. I was so proud of this. Uh, so pro, were you so, making
1: a few bucks? Um,
0: you know, it's funny with book publishing. The truth is, you it's not really a big money-making oh. endeavor because the cost to do the books is a I, lot I, more than a novel. Like with a novel, you could print on demand right. with fine art books. First of all, they're a lot heavier. So just even moving them around, you know, mm. is, is an expense. Distribution takes like 25%, retailers take wow. 50%. So then the publisher's left with only basically 25% if you go through a distributor. And,
1: and it's all color photos on a little thicker stock yeah, than yeah, your yeah. regular book.
0: Yeah. But I'm very, I'm, I'm very, very proud of the book, and, and the truth is, I, I have, I'm lucky that I have made money on all my books so far. Oh, good. Which not everybody could say. The, uh,
1: the back of the book has a young lady. I think it's a young lady wearing a that's Guns N' Roses that's, t-shirt. That's, that's a guy. That's a dude. <laughs> well,
0: but you know, rock and roll.
1: Yeah. Uh, playing pinball. Um, do you remember where this is? Yeah, that's, um, was it the, it
0: was the shortstop or somewhere near the shortstop. Oh, okay. In that that neck of the woods. So Echo Park. Because yeah, that guy worked for Vice at the time. And this was like (laughs) in the early 2000s. Yeah. That was like 2000 2001. So I I had not even heard of Vice. And when they had a store Mm -hmm. in Silver Lake at the
1: time, remember that? Little baby store. It it was was small. Yeah. 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 And you get the magazines there for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. yeah. Yeah. Uh, fast forward 20 years into the future, you've got a new book called California Love where it seems like you're curating, um, other photographers.
0: Yeah. So I've been doing photography since college. You know, I studied, I was lucky. I was able to study in Florence, Italy for a semester and just fell in love. Did you really? Fell in love with photography. And some of the photos I took at that time when I was, um, 18, 19, I was 19 was, was still some of my greatest hits.
1: Hold on a second. How do you end up in Florence, Italy? As a well, teenager,
0: you barely get by cheating your way through language in high school. And so, when, but when I got to college, I had to take one or two or three units, classes of a foreign language with the program that I was in. And there was absolutely no way I could have done it. And I knew I had just had to go somewhere and immerse myself. So that's, that's what, that was my main motivation. So you
1: parle vu Italiano?
0: <laughs> Parlo un poco, un poco. Really? It was just like over 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I was in Florence, Italy when i was on my 21st birth, f- birthday ah and i'm stumbling because i i was drunk on yeah. my 21st birthday <laughs> As because be. i found a a, a just an adorable little mom and pop uh italian restaurant and i was like perfect this is where i'm going to go nice but but then just like now i really only knew three italian words spaghetti Vino and Grazzi. Ah, okay. And so that's what I said to the lady: spaghetti, vino and Grazzi. <laughs> and she gives me a, a giant bottle of wine. Beautiful. But, well, I, I, I'm I still not much of a drinker. And so I was like- Well, you're not supposed to drink the whole bottle. Like they put it on the table. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I needed you there with me because I thought I had just bought a whole bottle of wine. I didn't have much money. I'm basically backpacking through Italy, uh, your real pass. And so I start pounding this wine, and I could only drink half of it. And so when it was over, she kind of looked at the bottle and charges me for half. Exactly. And so now I'm drunk in the streets of Florence. <laughs> and Could be worse. Incredible spaghetti. By the way, I did not know that they don't put a lot of sauce on the spaghetti in, in a real Italian restaurant. Uh, did yeah. you notice that?
0: Depends where you go. Uh, yeah. Sometimes but, yeah. they lay it on? Uh, I mean, every dish is different. Every There are different regions that do things differently. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but man, how good is it when you're there? It was the best. Yeah. It was the best. So you were there for how long? Uh, I've been to Italy a few times. I, I did a semester and then I was going to stay. I, I got an extension from my college, but I had met a lot of travelers who... I kind of got the sense like once you stop going to college it's really hard to go back Mm -hmm. so i and i just wanted to finish so i figured well let me just go back finish college and then travel and i did Uh, but let's go back even further my father left home at 14 my family's lebanese my father left to go to kuwait to make his millions uh, was rich by the time he was eighteen. Oh, so he it. did it. He did it. So I, I grew up seeing photos of my dad all over the world because he was an airline mechanic eventually, and he got to travel the world fixing airplanes and seeing you know learning German, learning French. And so was his move like,
1: I, I could fix it, but it's going to cost you.
0: Well, think about it. Like if you if you have a problem with a car, you bring it to a, a mechanic, but yeah. you can't bring an airplane to an airline mechanic. So uh, this is at the time. Maybe things are different now, but he and this is in the '60s. He worked for Mediterranean Airlines and. When a plane broke, they would they would fly their mechanics to fix the planes.
1: So, like, kind of a house call.
0: Uh, yeah. You get charged more for a house call. Well, your staff, but yeah, <laughs> he didn't make his millions doing that. That was that's what. How, how do he make his millions? To... Well, he was a bootlegger in Kuwait. Uh,
1: People love to bury the lead. Well, what was he bootlegging? No, no, that
0: was he. Uh, Booze. There was. If you want to get into it, there was a deal where. I mean, this is when. Could do a whole story on this. Uh-huh. We get my mom involved. Unfortunately, my dad's no longer with us, but, uh-huh. but I, I did interview him before he passed away. Incredible stories how ships would come into the dock and local people would do this thing where they would line do, and they would fill up and they would charge by the tanker of oil. But then there were some side deals where they would just line up and just go tanker to tanker. So you'd be filling up like multiple tankers and they would charge for one tank. Like there were all these like side deals going on. So it was like a really wild, wild west time. My dad wasn't involved with that. But um, <laughs> it was a pretty, we're Christian and it was a Muslim country. And mm-hmm. so drinking was verboten. And uh, right. my, there was some place where you could go and everything was like a dollar. It, it was like a bottle of Johnny Walker or like a cucumber. Everything was like the same price, <laughs> just like, or credits or something like that. And yeah. my dad met some Westerner who had access to this and he was having her buy the stuff for him. And then he would sell it for like, a, he'd buy for a dollar and sell it for a hundred dollars. Like, cause Good you're man. not allowed to have alcohol. And he it was it wasn't against his religion. Uh, he, my dad had nothing against whiskey, so uh, yeah, oh, there was a lot of man. money to be made until they got got caught. His partner, I don't think, made it out of the country. My oh. dad just like had to leave everything and like leave like with like immediately. So he just had to pick up and leave. Wow. Uh, but uh, there were many many other stories. Uh, that's kind of the the short version of wow. it. Wow. So he made money, but then didn't really uh, get to keep a lot of it.
1: Do you practice your Christianity? Uh, you know, I was
0: an altar boy. I love the. Um,
1: the what is it, the the, the maybe
0: the, the theatrical element of it, I think, was what I was attracted to when I was younger. Never had any issues with any molestation or anything. Thank God uh, for that, huh? Which I mean that's what people associate now, which is kinda sad. Yeah. I, I, I don't slight anyone, you know, who's religious. I think people go to religion because they want to be good and they wanna mm-hmm. that the, they want to make the world a better place and they want to help people. Um I'm suspicious of organized religions and I'm suspicious of any large organized you know, uh, institution period. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of p- people who hate the government. I think it's really not so much the government. I think it's just large organized religions are p- tend to concentrate power and are not very efficient. Did you go to the Vatican when you were in Italy? Uh, a couple times, yeah. In fact, I have some holy water here. I could, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I could think anoint you. Shopped you. the uh,
1: they sold you some holy water?
0: Uh, they sold holy water, but at the time I was there, <laughs> the the priests were taking a break and I didn't want to wait, so I bought a bottle, and I went to where the holy water was, and I filled it up myself. <laughs> so yes! I, so I, Stolen I,
1: holy water. I mean, in it was there. Cafe circle.
0: <laughs> Everybody. So, black market, holy water. <laughs> Give a receipt for that water, sir.
1: <laughs> anything you'd like to declare? I'd like to declare that you are blessed. Uh, yeah, but I... I've, That's um, awesome. Uh, what so a great <laughs> thing to steal. If you're going to steal anything.
0: I mean, I technically didn't steal it. It was out there for people to take. I just took maybe a little bit more. And it's a tiny bottle. It's like, a, like less than an ounce. You only need a drop.
1: But why did they need a priest then to dole it out?
0: I know. It was a bad system. Again, large organizations are not, not very efficient. They could have just had it ready to go for people, but I don't know why they had to.
1: As somebody who is visually minded as, as you are, and I am, how'd you like that Sistine Chapel?
0: Oh, incredible. I mean, really Europe in general, there's, I mean, I lived in Paris for a few months and mm-hmm. man, every, any corner on Paris is just absolutely beautiful, yeah. but yeah, Rome, Florence, Venice is really beautiful too. It's, it's not built for the amount of people that go there, unfortunately, yeah. but, um, it's doomed. It's incredible. Isn't it? Yeah. Incredible.
1: Okay, so back to California. So you compiled California Love last year.
0: Yeah, so I've been a photographer since I was you know 18, and I've been curating for the last um, you know like third of my life. Uh, I am the I'm the photo curator at the Hive Gallery and Studios downtown on Spring Street. This is my eighth year. We currently well, we have a, an exhibit up every March, and. 2020, the theme, the theme changes every year. We did like a naked versus nude. We did street photography. We did analog versus digital. We did a fine art show. We, we changed the theme every year. Spring in what? Uh, Spring near seventh. So it's across from like that food court.
1: Perfect location.
0: It's great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tons of foot traffic there.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, they do. And then they just put in two huge towers of apartment buildings. So we're hoping that's good for business, which has been good. I mean, we get a lot of walkthrough and.
1: Yeah. So is is the goal of this gallery to sell this these prints of these photographers?
0: Yeah. I mean, the goal with any gallery is to sell work, right? I, you know, you got to pay I, the rent.
1: I, <laughs> Lord knows. I don't there know are, nothing are, about making money. There so. are some
0: galleries. There's a, an, a, right now there's a Barbara Kruger exhibit at LACMA, which I highly recommend. Oh. And there is a gallery across the street that has work that they're not selling. So sometimes there is work that's just shown, mm-hmm. um, you know, with larger, more, more, you know, prestigious galleries. Um, but the hive is great. It's, um, the, the, f- op- the, f- the, front third of the gallery rotates every month and then the back two thirds are resident artists. So ev- the openings are fantastic. You get a lot of cross pollination going through a lot of various people going through, looking at work. And, um, it's just really great. Uh, Nathan Cartwright, uh, who's AKA King B, uh, runs the place has been running it. We're going on 17 years now. April's their 17th year anniversary show 17th or 18th year. And, um, and it's just a really, really great vibe. It's super unpretentious and it's great for, you know, artists showing for the first time. And I, I always try to, you know, show people for the first time and they, the show we had this year in 2022, we had a, a we had a photographer who's still in high school. She's 18, uh, 17 or 18. Mm. And, you know, and then we have veteran photographers who've been shooting forever, you know? So, so it's, it's really great. And honestly, curating has been one of the best things for me as an artist, it's uh, really sharpening my eye and sharpening my my taste as a photographer. It's absolutely helped me. So, uh,
1: what's your go to uh, camera?
0: Right now, it's the iPhone. Uh, you know, because it's something you all have on you at all times. Uh, but I'm a Nikon guy. I've been shooting Nikon pretty much from the beginning. Which which iPhone do you have? So I. This is my big splurge. I'm normally pretty frugal, but I lease the iPhone, so I get a new one whenever the new one comes out because mm-hmm. I, I, it's the camera that I have on me at all times, and I want to have the newest camera because mm-hmm. I'm always going through and taking photos. And the photos really look great on the iPhone. So that's a 13. Correct, yeah. yeah. But if you, but they look great on the phone, but if you blow it up and if you're making a print, sometimes it will fall apart. So mm. um, in, in, in natural light with a lot of sunlight, it looks great, but a little bit darker it looks good on the phone but if you blow it up sometimes it can fall apart yeah. when when you, you go to 300 dpi but it's still um but it's still great it's 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 an incredible camera to have it on at all times so you know i try to take walks you know my cardio is walking for one to two hours a day so i always have a camera on me which is great Yeah. but i have a nikon i also have a fuji pocket camera and i just got a, a ricoh uh, gr3 which
1: i love i just got that so i'm just starting to play with it um help me with this I love people, obviously. Great. I love taking pictures. But I get so nervous when I want to take a picture of a stranger, especially out in the world. Yeah. And I'm 55 now. (laughs) Yeah. It's different, I think, when you're older than if you're cute and 20, you know? Do you have this issue, too, when you want to shoot strangers? Yeah, the this is a whole
0: thing, man. I've, I've been chased. I've been like threatened with violence oh, uh, really? for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of times. Uh, <laughs> more, yeah, a few a few times. Yeah. And um, it's tricky. And I really think, you know, it's I think now people are mo- actually more sensitive about having their photo taken, Yeah. Uh, even though everyone's taking selfies and and taking photos all the time. I think maybe people are just more aware of photography. People are more aware of having their photo taken. Mm -hmm. Um, It's strange. I I feel like I used to be able to get away taking photos more, but some of these cases I talked to you about, were all with film back in the day too. So, so it really depends where you are
1: and the circumstance and everything. It it is weird. And, and I think it's also kind of weird about parents and their kids. Sometimes they'll put cartoon pictures on the kids' faces and then put it on Instagram so that you don't see the kids. And it's like, what are you protecting? Like we, we know there's children in the world. <laughs>
0: it's you really, think? you know, and this is, the, I, I really think it's easier for women, street photographers to take photos of kids yes. because men are oh. automatically, it's automatically assumed that you're uh, that's no good. a perv. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know where, I mean, I don't know if that's the case all over the world. Like I, I, cause I have taken photos, you know, in Europe and Asia as well. I think that's maybe more of an American thing. Like it's all these like,
1: Americans are more uptight about it, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: if you look at the majority of like CB- these CBS shows of like Night- Nightline and all this stuff, it's like all fear based. So if you're but, watching that most of the time, then that's what you're kind of feeding into your brain.
1: But the reason that they're showing it is because it's ratings, not because it's reality.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the percentage of maybe the media that you're watching and stuff, you bad stuff you hear about, which is salacious and does get ratings yeah. versus the reality. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard some funny stories of like uh, this one friend of mine, Jerry Weber, talks talks about and he's kind of a. Uh, he, he has skin issues, so he, uh, he he's he's very sensitive to to, to to his skin is very sensitive to the sun. So he has this hat that co- kind of covers up his face, and he's on the beach, and he went to take a photo of a kid, and got to the point where there was an angry mob uh, pointing at him, <laughs> shaming him as a child molester. He's like, dude, I'm just trying. To, I just took one photo. <laughs> he tells it much better than I just did, but but yeah, no, that does happen. Um, but. At the end of the day, I think in general, not just with photography, but in general, any sort of altercation, like people just don't want to be disrespected. So right. if you let people know, look, and and sometimes there's an alpha male element where guys want to like exert and just need everyone to know that they're the alpha male. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. But in general, you just have to let people know, look, I'm not disrespecting you. I'm cool. And then if they won't expect and then if they won't come to terms with that,
1: then they're just crazy and you just have to get away. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot of, uh, pictures that have blown up and framed. Where do you, where do you blow up your pictures? Uh,
0: so I'm a member of the Los Angeles center of photography which is a great organization. Anyone who's into photography or thinking about getting into it should consider joining. And they have a program where, well, basically if you're a member, you could go and print yourself and, uh um they there there's a free class that where they could teach you how to use the machine so I started printing myself but normally I go to Sammy's uh, Roger is a who's the is Sammy's considered
1: there. Carthage circle cuz uh, that is what a gem of LA
0: yeah Sammy's camera oh uh, yeah well they
1: were I'm going in, to include it yeah yeah i mean it's it well. We? well
0: it's adjacent Right, <laughs> it's Carthay adjacent, if nothing else. I
1: forgot that that was right around the corner. Right there,
0: yeah, it's right up the street. Yeah, what a great place, right? It's incredible. It's great. Yeah, and and especially nowadays, like you know, there's there's really such a concentration of like you know between big box stores and Amazon controlling really the majority of the market. It's so nice to support. I mean, Sammy is a real person. Like he he built it himself. <laughs> there are people that have been working there for decades. So let's let's support local businesses. And
1: those people know the thing that you are asking about. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 so rare. I mean, again, I'm showing my age, but you've you've a really nice stereo system in here. There used to be a day where you'd go to the stereo store and the guy knew what the hell he was talking about. yeah, and we'd tell you about the speakers and how to lift them up from from your your hardwood floors. Yeah, And there was actual geniuses, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the only place left with a genius as the Apple bar, you know? and but but at a camera store, It is important to know the difference between one thing or another or or all the accessories that can go with those, and so who better than a guy at Sammy's Camera who's been there forever?
0: It's great, and so maybe you save a couple bucks by buying online, but you don't know if it was you know, where it came from, if someone else had it before. I like having a relationship with with people, like because I'm going to be buying cameras for the rest of my life, and I'm going to be so it's just a resource, you know. We could go and ask a question, and then you buy the camera, and a year later you could go in and you could ask, you know, about settings or whatever. So it's you're paying to have that relationship. Maybe it's a little bit extra, but it, to me it's worth it.
1: I, I don't even feel like it's that much more. It's not that much. And and Sammy has deals all the time. Yeah. And sometimes it's no tax, you know, 4th of July special, no tax. Yeah. You're like, thanks, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So this, this photography place that you go to, how much does it cost um, to be part, uh, to be a member?
0: Oh, LACP, I think it's around a hundred dollars a year. And you get discounts on uh, all the, all the lectures and seminars they have, all the classes and they have photo contests. So, you know, it's a good way to, you know, keep your eyes sharp and keep motivated because they have different. Um, you know, every every couple months they have like a new contest, like street photography, fine art. You know, various things.
1: So it's hundred. Where, where's it based?
0: Uh, we're in between locations right now. It was on. It was in Hollywood. Then it was on Washington, and because of COVID, now we're moving. Um, so it's, undis, un, it's undecided or undisclosed. As so of it's a
1: hundred bucks, and I get to print out stuff. I mean, that yeah. pays for itself, right?
0: Oh, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, hundred percent. So setting up the book, because uh, I could tell the story about it just. Please do. So the California love a visual mixtape, um, started as an exhibit at the hive gallery in 2020 and I knew, um, 2020 was going to be, it was an election year and I knew it was going to be a contentious election. And I have a lot of family and friends, or I have a lot of family and some friends that voted for Trump and really? leaned to the right and which is fine and you know we have no, so so, so i kind of have a I, <laughs> but so i kind of understand the mindset and i and i'm i'm you know i'm i'm hopeful that america could you know maintain uh, to be one country in the future but uh anyways w- one thing i realized from engaging with people on the right is that you know we, we almost have different facts now so you can't even really talk using facts anymore, because people kind of believe, want to believe what they want to believe. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I felt like I could do is present my vision of California the way I see it, as a, you know, I could present our progressive, inclusive nation state, as, as Gavin Newsom calls it, you know, uh, uh, presented in a way featuring hundreds of photographers from all over California and including quotes from California writers and and writers talking about California Mm -hmm. and present kind of my utopian view of what California could be. And hence the book, California, a visual
1: mixtape. I love that. That's very idealistic. Do you consider yourself an idealist? Uh, Yeah, probably a Pollyanna. Uh (laughs) How so? Uh, always looking at the bright
0: side, always kind of wanting things to work out. But, you know, like with I, a, with a safety valve, like I'm, I'm not I don't put myself in too much of a vulnerable.
1: Was there anymore. something traumatic that brought you to this uh, to that realization? Because it, it did for me in college. You have these uh, poetry books up here. this yeah. The of Poetry. When I was in college, I thought to be a good poet meant write really sad poems okay all it did was bring me really far down Uh. meanwhile i'm in college at santa barbara one of the most beautiful places surrounded by friends and i was depressed at night because i i had been working myself into this like emo doom yeah and so i learned to be kind of the pollyanna person um helps you It, it helps you like to when you see a scene don't look for the dirty part don't look for the rat sk- skirting across the the rug yeah look for the flowers look for the light is yeah. that kind of did anything like that happen with you to to bring you to this point of view
0: yeah i, I don't know if it's any one thing i mean my father was pretty optimistic you know he's an entrepreneur and i think you kind of have to be uh optimistic when, when you when you're building something you know otherwise you're not going to do it because like why do it if you think it's going to fail so you have to be you know have a positive you know sense about it and so I think I've always had a positivity about me. Um, I don't know if it's one thing. It, it, it's interesting though, because I have been a filmmaker. I was making, trying, making you know, videos and films in high school and studied art history in college because I really view film as an art. And I came to LA to make movies and, and I do photography because I just, it was the one thing that I could do. And, yeah, you know, I keep going back to this quote Orson Welles says, a painter needs a brush, a writer a pen and a filmmaker an army. And so <laughs> my whole career in LA, I've been I always felt like I was a year away from doing my big feature and I had been writing scripts. I've written like at least 6 scripts by now. And I did find while I was doing dramatic writing that your job is to create conflict within the story. And I I did find over the course of writing scripts that I I, I would always my mind would always go to how to resolve the conflict. And, and I think I'm more of like a peacemaker in general. So I, I kind of came to a conclusion that way of who I was, but I don't think it was one thing that, that made me th- this way. I think it was more just being introspective and looking deep that I fa- figured that out.
1: As a filmmaker, how did you like uh, 2021's uh, collection of films? Did you see many of these movies?
0: Unfortunately, I didn't see as many as I uh, wanted to, but I loved Coda. Uh, I, I just yeah. saw Coda like two nights before the Academy Awards. And my God, the, uh, the, 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 the supporting actor, uh, already I'm in tears. And then he talks about his father, who was the best signer he knew, being paralyzed. Uh, my God, what a story. So uh, yeah, I, I loved Coda. Um, but you know we're in the golden age of television too, so you know we're almost not separate. We used to, there used to be a real fine line separating, or a real definitive line separating film and television in the past. Now there's such good television.
1: Well, I, I, you, it, I think it's it's fascinating that you mentioned Coda because of all the best picture nominees, um, to me this that one seemed to be the less arty. It was the had the less production design. It, it almost could be something that could have been shown on TV first, as opposed to in, in the cinema. But I think what dragged you in and me, too, because it was one of my favorite movies also, was it was a unique story. Yeah. We got to see what it's like for uh, not only a deaf family, but what happens if somebody in the family can actually hear. Yeah. And the burden on her because of that. Um, And also the kind of sadness that she's this musician and she loves music and yet the people dearest to her can't hear music how good she is.
0: Yeah, and I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to go back and watch the French uh, film that this was based on. But uh, yeah, I thought it was master, masterfully made. Incredible.
1: You live really close to the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. Yes. That has two movie theaters. Oh, I thought I didn't realize
0: they had two. I knew they had one.
1: Have you even been in the museum yet? I, I can't wait. They're doing a, a,
0: a Pedro Almodovar series right now, which I'm interested in. Uh, but I, I can't wait to be able to do that more regularly. I think they're just kind of getting up to speed post COVID. Yeah. But yeah, can't it, wait.
1: It's taken them a while. And so this, this will, that'll be your closest movie theater, but you also have the Grove nearby. Yes. Are you an AMC Stubbs holder? <laughs> I, 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 may
0: have recently joined that. I, I, uh. It's
1: 23 bucks and you get to see three movies a, a oh, week? Oh, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. But yeah. Yeah. I'm going to probably be going there after this. Oh, beautiful. I mean, cause why not? Yeah, why not? You know? Yeah. So, okay. Let's go back to this book, California Love. Is it hard to tell photographers who you've said, show me some of your work, to say I'm not going to use any of it in your book? Yeah,
0: and it's not just the book. It's also curating because I do the annual exhibit at the, at the gallery. Um, yeah, it's tricky, but, you know, I'm just straight up and honest, and usually I, I won't reach out to someone unless I've seen – work that I know that I like, and I want to include, and then I'm, and then it's a conversation cause I want the artist to be happy with what they're exhibiting. And also there's a cost to print and frame. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, that's on them. So I don't want them to, to, you know, have to pay for something that, that they're not that excited about. So mm-hmm. it's a conversation and it's a negotiation and um, yeah, w- with some artists in the book, it was no problem, whatever you want. And with some, it was a longer conversation, but
1: at the end of the day uh, it was, uh, everyone was happy with it. Well, I think that would be my hardest struggle. I don't like to say no to people, especially on something that's subjective and something that is personal to people, but you know. You know something is just not gonna work. Well, ultimately, uh, I, it, yeah, I feel bad saying no, period,
0: and I usually say why, um, and again, it's subjective and I do feel bad, but usually I'm, I'm not saying no, I'm saying yes to this, just not to this other thing.
1: So uh, you went to college in San Diego,
0: yeah, USD, yeah. Is,
1: is, did film bring you to LA? Absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah, 100%. Yeah, and just be a city, really. I, I, I grew up, I was, as a kid, I was always drawn to Sesame Street, somehow those brownstone stoops always like, and even those trash cans that Oscar was in. And I lived in a, I was, grew up in a suburb in Ohio, and I was like, why doesn't my neighborhood look like this? And I, so, I don't know, I was always drawn to like an urban aesthetic for some reason, and, uh, and then grew up in North County, San Diego, and you'd think, okay, great, the beach. And, but no, I'm at home watching movies all weekend in my bedroom with friends. You know, that's what. So, yeah, movies was my obsession in the starting in junior high.
1: San Diego is so close to LA, relatively c- compared to Ohio. Yeah two, for sure. yeah, two hour drive. Yet, I don't know of too many San Diegan movie makers. Is, is it because they all just have to come up to LA? Or is there a scene down there I'm not familiar of?
0: Uh, there, there might be. I'm not. I mean, the the, the famous movie that everyone talked about was uh, uh, the toma- rotten the, the tomatoes, Return, Revenge of the Tomatoes or something like that. Do you remember this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it was yes. like a B movie from the eighties.
0: that that was like the famous movie that was made in San Diego. Oh. Growing up, that I, you people talked about. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, which. There were, there were movies that are famous for being not great, which I never really would get that excited about, but, uh, you're not
1: a horror movie person.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, not really. I liked it follows. Mm -hmm. That was probably the last one. And, 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 uh, what was the first Jordan Peele one?
1: Uh, get out. Get out. Oh
0: yeah. Get out. was great. So those I think have more than just horror. Right. But I'm naturally high strung. So the idea of things jumping out at me just seem, I don't even like the Queen Mary haunted house thing. <laughs> yeah. I just, I can't, it's not, not healthy
1: for me. What astrological sign are you? Pisces. Oh, that, that might be it. Is that a thing? You guys are highly sensitive. Okay. Yeah. Kurt Cobain, uh, Billy Corgan.
0: I did offer you tequila. Uh, Pisces are known for drinking.
1: D- because you want to mellow shit out a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, probably. Because things are, you're, it's because you are painfully aware of things. Okay is what the book says.
0: Well, Pisces is the last of the so, cycle, right? So that's right. apparently You're, we've been through
1: it all. You've been through it all. You're so. the most adult. Um I read one book that said it's a struggle between um the angels in heaven and the demons in in hell. Oh, okay. Who want I, your I'm soul. pretty good with
0: my demons. I'm, I'm pre- I, good. I'm,
1: yeah. And so they say a lot of times people uh who are Pisces will either just fall into uh drug stuff cuz they just can't deal, or they'll do the polar opposite. They'll, they'll devote themselves to service. Oh, okay. And it sounds like that's what you do. You, you are curating other people, trying to help other people achieve their goals.
0: Honestly, it's fantastic. And it's, it's so fulfilling. And I've shown a lot of people, uh, I've, a lot of artists I've shown their work for the first time that's been shown. And the book has gotten in front of so many people and, and is doing really, really well. It's almost sold out. And um, it's incredibly fulfilling.
1: You live with your wife here in this beautiful home. Yes. How did you guys meet? At E! (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. She was one of the pretty girls walking through the halls? She was
0: one of the hotties. Uh, I wasn't dating. I didn't ask out because I I was worried about, I didn't want to like, Right. you know uh shit where you eat sort of thing yeah um but she i just made the exception for her yeah and to you this could, day you couldn't I help herself. Up, oh yeah she's uh, w- was yeah, she she's working
1: in her promos too
0: no she was fresh off the boat from colorado uh, running tapes uh she was the tape runner <laughs> which thank god because i got i was i needed tapes so i was a so producer she
1: was totally at the bottom of the oh yeah food yeah yeah. Chain.
0: yeah i met her like with when she just moved and so what was your move
1: I mean, funny cause, story cause, that she's no disrespect, by. but on air promos isn't going to really wow a girl, is it?
0: <laughs> I guess it's all relative, right? If you're a. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your story. It's a great story. Um, at the time, Gil Garcetti <laughs> had an exhibit of photography on the Disney Center, which was just opening up. This is 2003, fall of 2003. Um, he was and- the DA of LA. Was he? I can not remember if he was insurance commissioner of the state or.
1: Oh, well, at some point he was the DA.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And, and not like the nicest kind of fellow.
0: And I think it was Mayor Garcetti's father, right? That's right. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. So anyways, he was into photography. He had an exhibit. So I saw her and I invited her to go. Uh, randomly. I don't even know how. I think I think I saw her and I was like, I need to talk to her. And then I saw her again. I'm like, okay, I need to talk to her. So I pretended to make a phone call or something, waited for it, And she happened to walk by me. And I started talking to her. I can't even remember what it was. but It was just totally freewheeling uh-huh. and uh, invited her. She's all great. She gave me your number. I called wrong number. It was a bad number. So I'm thinking, oh no. Like, oh. so mixed signals. Cause she was really nice to me. Yeah. So then I see her again and she's all, yeah, what happened? She's like, I was ready. I went, wait, are you serious? Cause I just wrong number. And, I, and I, I was very organized. I always carried a, a clipboard with me of all my work. <laughs> and I said, no, it was a wrong number. You see? And she's like, oh no. So she gives, she gives me a number. Okay, great. I'll call you wrong. Second time. Wrong number. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wrong number. Second time. So then I'm all, okay, now she's fucking with me now. Like now I'm going to get HR is going to get involved. I'm, and I like my job, so <laughs> I'm avoiding her. And then we run into each other again, third time. And we, oh, hello. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's it going? Oh, great. Just, she's, she's like, you know, I thought you were going to call me. Oh, I did call you and you gave me the wrong number and I pulled it out. I, this, the second time I pulled it out and I said oh I'm so sorry it's she it was a new number she had just moved here and it turns out she has dyslexia so she gets embarrassed when I tell the story but uh, so she's ah uh, so I said don't give me your number but my book is coming out American Bachelor <laughs> next Saturday here's the here's the info you want to show up I'd love for you to love to see you if not totally no big deal <laughs> so she showed up and what's funny is the book came out on a Saturday night was our like, really like that was when I released it to the universe. It was like the first book signing party as a distributor is getting it into stores. It was, it was, it was the first time people got to see it. And 48 hours later was our first date. So my bachelorhood yes. with the book. Yeah. So. Wow. Where'd you take her on your first date? Uh, sushi. I was at the time I was living in Pico and Robertson and just a local sushi place worked out
1: was it was it
0: and we watched the office the america the british office i had a friend who turned me on to it and no one had really seen it yet and i had a vhs uh because I, I was doing air checks <laughs> at, at e basically you just get someone else to record it because I, I didn't have cable at the time i wasn't paying for cable at home
1: So, so you take her to sushi and you say, Hey, you want to watch some, some office? Then we watched the office and and then she saw my
0: record collection and we just hit it off. The record
1: collection wooed her?
0: I think she mentioned, yeah, we could ask her, but I think she uh, attributed that. Or just having good taste. I was playing music also. So she liked my taste in music.
1: How long did you guys date till you uh, popped the question?
0: Oh, we were together for a while and then we eloped. So we eloped 10 years to the day from our first date. Which was also we basically eloped, got married that uh, Vegas Sea Ranch, uh, north of San Francisco. It's a little chapel. It looks like a hobbit chapel. You
1: can you can have a. I, I mean, I don't want to call it a quickie wedding, but it, it a was Vegas style.
0: It was our spiritual wedding, and then a year later, we uh, got a bunch of friends together at the Rainbow Bar and Grill on Sunset, really? which is one of my favorite bars. Me in the too. World. Oh, I love the Rainbow. Yeah. Do you ever go Wednesday night Metal Night? I don't know if they're doing it yet.
1: You know. um... No.
0: Yeah. I was in the heavy metal when I was younger, like old of, old school metal. Judas Priest, Maiden, yes. Scorps. Yes. You get these studio musicians who go show up and they could hit all the high notes. Really? And you're in a small room, so you're you're feeling you're feeling the
1: music. You know, I was at the Long Beach Arena for Live After Death Iron oh, Maiden. Okay. Scream wow. for me, Long Beach. I was screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh yeah, I love the metal. I didn't see any metal in your racks. Have you gotten rid of it?
0: Rob, no, it's 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 is there. Summer. Is it in there? It's there All right, good. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, Rob Halford of Judas Priest lives in San Diego now. Lives in Hillcrest. Because he's an yeah, out gay man. Yeah, exactly. He's out now. Okay. So, okay.
1: Did you think that he was gay when you first saw Judas Priest as a young man? I had no
0: idea. Right. Yeah, I had no idea.
1: It, which is, isn't it crazy in retrospect?
0: And and the metal scene, you know, was pro- pretty homophobic, I would imagine. <laughs> yes, so no too. wonder. I mean, it's not like he that had too. the opportunity to come out. Yet,
1: yet their hair was bigger. <laughs> they had Ironically. more mascara than the girls. And the girls had big, floofy hair back then, too. Ridiculous. And yet, you know, um, Poison and uh, Lions and Ghosts, all these, all these metal hairband dudes... Who, yes, would have said something derogatory to an actual gay person. Yeah. Turns out one of the, the forefathers of metal, gay as can be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my hero. I love that. Love the guy.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So um, you guys get uh, married in uh, Northern Cal. You come back to L.A. D- is she in the industry too?
0: She's a producer for the Food Network. Yeah, very uh, she did like Iron Chef, a bunch did of she really? Yeah, yeah, a bunch of shows. Yeah, she's still yeah, she's she's great.
1: Wow. So you guys are never leaving LA.
0: That's the thing we were talking earlier, like, you know, with with what we're paying for rent here. It's like it feels irresponsible to not look into buying something, but like I also as an artist, you want to, you know, I, I remember hearing Sarah Sarah Silverman talking in an interview who used to live like a block away here, by the way. Um, I remember hearing Sarah Silverman saying, you know, if you're an artist, just keep your overhead low, you know? So we're not, we're not having kids. This is a, a, a rent stabilized apartment and our cars are paid for. So really, I mean, it's, so now if we talk about buying a place, then suddenly we're going to have to make a lot, we're going to have to spend a lot more money on that. Maybe we're going to have to take jobs. We're not that excited to take, but yeah, it's a, that's, that's where we're, that's where we're at right now. Trying to figure that out.
1: When people come to the Academy Museum or any any place around here, the, 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 the Peterson, the, the corner where uh, uh, Biggie Smalls was murdered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Um, where should they go next that only a local would know? Are there good spots? I, I see Sharky's is gone uh, at the corner of... Uh, is that Larchmont over there? Not Sh- Larchmont. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. I never. I was never sure. Well, Molly Malone's actually has live music, which is one of the few places you can see live music. And I heard someone talking about the Mint. I think it was the guitarist you had on recently yeah. talked about the Mint. Um, so th- a lot of these venues, like they're not really making new venues for live music, you know, that I know of. Uh, yeah. Too many. And and dive bars are really kind of endangered species. Like the the Kibitz Room connected to Canners. That's one of my favorite dive bars. That's mm-hmm. you know, which I which I could walk to from here. Um, so that yeah the,
1: that's a good point. Tom Bergen's over here too.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Which which uh that bar is a real throwback. A real kind of vintage kind of a place. Molly Malone's I like because yes, you can hear live music on the what is that? The west side of the building. But it doesn't really bleed into the bar part if you're not into the band. True, yeah, yeah. You know, I like yeah, that, too. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. And again, one of the few places you could go. Uh, you know, usually if I have a friend who's in a band who's playing, I'll... Uh, yeah, it's so
1: nice. Any good food spots that we should know in this area that you like to go to?
0: One of the best taco trucks in the world, El Chato. Do you know about this? No. Olympic. Olympic and La Brea.
1: Oh, It opens yes. at
0: 9 p.m.
1: It's called what now?
0: El Chato, C-H-A-T-O.
1: I... There's always a line.
0: Yeah. Well, there's Tacos Leo on Venice, which is great, too, but... uh, El Chato is known for their al Pastor. you got to get the al Pastor okay. and ask for extra pineapple. And even their bean and cheese burritos are fantastic too. And, and I like their chicken is really good too. I like carne asada, but that's not their strength in my opinion. So I would get those three. I would recommend those three things.
1: This is in the corner across the street from... Um... There's an
0: AMPM there and yes. there's that Top Round. Is that what it's called? The, top Round. Yeah, across from there. Have you
1: been in the Top Round?
0: Uh, I've been there once, but usually if I'm there, I'm going to El Chato.
1: Right. But can you explain to me what Top Round is? I Is think it, it's pastrami, but if I'm gonna have pastrami, pastrami I'm sandwiches? gonna go. To, I'm gonna go to Langer's. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough market to crack uh, in LA. Have you had
0: the extra lean at Langer's? Go oh, yeah. Yeah, the extra yeah. lean pastrami, number nineteen. Yeah. It's Legend.
1: It, it. I mean, it and it's it sucks for everybody else, but okay, I'll go to the Hat from time to time if I'm in Pasadena. Okay. Or or somewhere east uh, east LA ish ish. Yeah. And I see the Hat because it's also old school, but but I always think about langers
0: yeah Langers, yeah well i think jonathan gold said langers was better the better pastrami than new york
1: and, so. and he he he's he's the he, he's the gold standard yeah 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 all right any uh, shout outs you want to make for us uh anybody that you respect and love that you want to say thank you to who helped you make this book did you make it all by yourself
0: The book's incredible. Um, Damon Robinson is the illustrator who um, also designed my first book, American Bachelor. And he did the cover for my second book, Folsom Street Food Court, uh, which we're not talking about because it's based in San Francisco.
1: But we can talk about it briefly.
0: (laughs) So you lived in San Francisco.
1: I did. And I went to the Folsom Street Fair and the uh, Hate Street Fair. And what I like about this book for people who have gone to this is a lot of naked people, which is representative of, of this street fair, a lot of gay naked dudes who it's, it's interesting. I'm sure there's gay naked dudes in LA, but you see them a lot more in San Francisco.
0: Uh, Certainly at the Folsom street fair. So did you go more than once you were there for a few years? Every time I could. Okay.
1: Because it was different up there. As far as street fairs go, there was no admission. Yeah. And it really is the thing of that weekend. Like everybody knows about it and everybody's excited about it. Whereas here it's kind of like, Oh street, the street's going to be blocked off. Like, it's a pain in the ass to people over here, which is why I guess the Sunset Junction street fair is no longer. Um, I think there's a scandal with that with the guy. And there's a it. scandal, but <laughs> elect me as mayor and I'm going to bring that bad boy back. Beautiful. I, I mean, would, love, I would love to have you as mayor. Because of what our friends in San Francisco has shown us about those street fairs.
0: Yeah. Well, San Francisco people walk. Here people drive. That's so true. that's probably a
1: factor. That is true.
0: But, uh. But yeah, no, certainly Folsom Street uh, Fair, a lot of people will go once, and that's kind of all they need to see. But but for me, as a street photographer and as someone who's into people watching, it's just gold. The streets are paved with gold. So
1: so they, they never return because it's a little too erotic? Probably,
0: yeah, for the people who don't return, yeah. That's too bad. Where, whereas me, I have it on my calendar, and I yeah. try to make destination trips to go. I mean,
1: I'm as straight as it can be, but... <sighs> These gay guys are like they're pushing the envelope.
0: If you're into people watching, it's people who are parading who want to be seen and want to be watched. So it's so kind on page, of a on page seventeen,
1: storm. you've got a guy with a knitted pig hat on, and studded black like a like a speedo almost, wearing pink uh, knee high socks. I'm sorry but I have to look at that guy oh, if yeah. he's walking by yeah, and yeah. he wants me to look at him. He, yeah. Yeah. He's not and, going to and say, so we what should, the should be F looking at looking each at. other and bonding. Exactly. What and is, the, what is under, the crime there?
0: He's under a sign that says, ask more of your phone. So, yeah. <laughs> and he's in line to get a hot dog.
1: So yeah, there's, that's and, a great photo. And, and I don't know. Again, I'm a Christian like you are. When Jesus said, love your neighbor, I think this is what he was talking about. He's saying, You've lots of neighbors and they're all different. Love them just like I loved you. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it, there's, there's no asterisk in the Bible except for the guy with the pig hat.
0: And I think we're finding, I mean, like, this is what makes California unique. I mean, California is a place where we're pretty accepting uh, more so than a lot of the other states, certainly a lot of red states. We're accepting of like a lot of different, you know, uh, lifestyles and, and, and it's like live and let live, you know, and and if you want to talk about freedom, I mean, I think you have a lot of freedom here. Um, and that's something to be said. And and when I was making The California Love a visual mixtape book, that was something I kept thinking about. Like, why, why California? Why is California this way? Like, why over the past hundred years have we evolved to have you know, this mindset, this like more freer mindset? Uh, wh- why do you think? It's a conversation.
1: I think because when, and you should know this as a European traveler, I think the more people you have at the party, somebody's gonna stand up and say either something really really awesome and everybody claps or something really really stupid and everybody boos. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's good and I think it's healthy. And when I first moved here from the Midwest, I was saying the stupid shit. Ah. And I got booed. And either I got booed privately or I got or a pretty girl pulling me aside and be like, "Don't say that." And I was like, "Oh, that's not the way to do it." So society I think can pull us out of our not greatest moments into a a more enlightened thing. And I think I was lucky that I saw um, the gay pride parade in San Francisco as a 16-year-old boy from the Midwest because you don't see that in the suburbs of Illinois. Yeah. And especially when you see a woman who is a lesbian, who uh, had a mastectomy, and she's topless, and she's waving. It's, It's startling, but it also shows you that... Not everything is on television. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it makes us uh, accepting of variety. But but I would go a step further and say it, it's not just accepting. I think it's a celebration in LA. Yes. And it's yeah. for sure it's a celebration in San Francisco, which is what I'd like to see more of here. Yeah. That isn't it great that we can be like this? Yeah. Isn't it great that we can be neighbors like this? Isn't it? Because if, if you're like that with your pig hat, then Tony, you're okay with your beer belly. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Hallelujah. Amen. You know,
1: so all my insecurities go away when I see a guy with, with a crazy vest on. Yeah. Cause I'm like, well, I guess I'm not so bad. Yeah, and we have that here in Venice Beach on the
0: boardwalk, Hollywood Boulevard now, um, you know, even Melrose. So why do you think
1: California is the place for this?
0: I think it's evolved over, uh, yeah, over the last century. It just didn't happen overnight. And, you know, the 60s, you had the Summer of Love, which is really centered in, in San Francisco. You had, um, you know, even like the beatnik scene, you know, is known, Greenwich Village is mentioned, but also the North Beach in, in, San Diego, in San Francisco. And, you know, the whole left coast jazz scene and then the music scene kind of moving here like in the 60s blowing up in the 70s and 80s uh, the music industry leans you know pretty progressive and you know because you're always you know trying to f- look at new ways of doing things you know and so that that has kept uh, i think the attitude kind of more open uh, and and I, th- I think a lot of factors have kind of culminated and it's interesting when you you, know, you think about there's a lot of old money in San Francisco that's definitely more conservative And I think there definitely is like a conservative, you know, element. And these are probably people that own a lot of the land here, but the attitude definitely is more progressive. And in the California book, I think, I think we pretty much state that pretty,
1: pretty clearly. I also think that there needs to be an escape for people who feel repressed in their hometown or their home state. There's a place you need to run away to and really explore who you want to be in the future, who, you know, you are now and that ain't Alabama. Yeah 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 (laughs) right yeah and and so i think la to your word of accepting is very accepting to to those things it's also accepting to your trump relatives last summer in beverly hills the trump supporters were able to wave their signs and and declare that they got ripped off um in beverly hills there wasn't that many altercations, yeah. they were allowed to do that, yeah. and I think that's also good. Yeah, and if you go
0: south, Orange County, there's a little bit more. Uh, there's there are kind of red waves going on down there, or have been certainly with COVID and you know with the with QAnon. So where does that come from? Uh, maybe it comes more east because I think if you look at the political map of how things are voting, uh, the coast is pretty blue. All throughout Southern California, and then there are red pockets if you go like inland in Orange County.
1: Don't you think though that that has to do with uh, money and success? That when you when you can afford a five million dollar house, you don't want anything to change because you feel like you're you're doing fine. Don't Uh, rock the boat.
0: Yeah, it's not just that because there are a lot of rich liberals, you know. So that's not so. That's probably uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't know what it is. It's definitely. As I get older, I'm I'm seeing more of a, a a city mouse versus country mouse, kind of how that really dictates a lot of policy and a lot like with gun control. Yeah, if you if you live on a on hundred acres of land and you have wild animals, I could see why having a gun would make sense. That's right. But if you're in an inner city, you know, <laughs> highly concentrated group of people and a lot of crazy people, I don't want everyone to have a gun. That's right. And I don't think if they lived here, I don't, I think they would probably agree with me. And if I lived in the country, I would probably agree with them.
1: Yeah. Michael, you're the best. Uh, for Lebanese food, where should I go to in L.A.? Uh,
0: Marouche, one word. It's easy. It's the best. That's right
1: by my house. Oh,
0: dude. It's Santa the Santa Monica the
1: and uh, Edgemont, I think.
0: Ex- yeah, yeah, yeah. Between Vermont and, and, and Western. Yeah. It's in like a little strip mall next to a 7-Eleven. is the best. Anna Laundromat. Really? And it was on Jonathan Gold's top 100 restaurants for years. And it just changed owners, but I could confirm we just ate there Saturday The the food is still fantastic. What should
1: I order? for my first trip, I've lived there 21 years. You
0: should go with a group of people and you should get a bunch of things to taste is what you should do because the Lebanese food is really, and it's funny when I finally went to Lebanon, it's amazing. Like a huge table, the size of this room, just full of different plates. And that's just the first course. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And the meals last a long time. So you want to go with a bunch of friends, order a bunch of stuff and just have a great time.
1: I'm so glad I asked that question. Michael, where can people get California love?
0: Uh, really, it's really great to support independent bookstores like Arcana, which is my favorite bookstore in the world. Hennessey and Ingalls. Well, wait, where's your favorite, favorite book bookstore? bookstore at? Where's Arcana? Oh, you got to go to Arcana. It's in, uh, it's in the Helms Bakery building. Next to Pulver Pasta City. Sisters, another great restaurant.
1: Culver City, is that Venice uh, uh, Boulevard? Culver uh, Boulevard? Yeah, it's
0: off Washington. It's Washington. between Washington and Venice. Okay. It's the Helms Bakery building. Yeah. Uh, there's a father's office there, Great Burger. Yep. Uh, uh, Pasta Sisters, which has the, the meat lasagna is fantastic. Okay. And Arcana, an incredible bookstore dedicated to the arts. Uh, also Hennessy and Ingalls downtown, another great bookstore dedicated to the arts, mm-hmm. my two favorites, Is uh, it
1: Skylight books, you know, we, we, and you know. it's at Skylight. All right, yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. Skylight double down. Um, we're, we're almost sold out and I'm holding on to the books because we want to have a couple exhibits. So I want to make sure I have books to sell at the exhibits. So I haven't really been pushing them in bookstores and it's just, um, you know, this is done through the nonprofit. We're hopefully going to have a second printing through a larger publisher and that'll be available more worldwide, hopefully. But so far, this has only been available in California.
1: Michael, thank you so much for your California love.
0: And follow me on Instagram at fullonrad,
1: please. Right on, thank you. How great was Michael? You know who we would elope with and then drink at the rainbow? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's a book of stamps. Here's a book of great photography. Here's a damn new camera. Every donation you hand over helps us keep this insane project a rolling. So shout out to our patreons: Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinky, Ben Welsh, Henry Furman, Jen Adams, The Lonely Chair, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, and Dougie Gyro. <laughs> Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Just go to patreon.com slash hereinLA and give till it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you have to do is PayPal us 25 bucks or more, and we will list you in the Here in LA website that Mark Johnson is putting his finishing touches on right now. You'll also be given a dote to denote how early you got in to make this dream come alive. Angelino number one is the beautiful Allie Miller. Number two, The beautiful George Wright. Number three, Rita Joanne. Number four is Jason Sutter. Five, Grant Houghton. Six, Rob Baker. Seven, Kev Chang. Eight, the beautiful Brenda Garcia. And number nine, a guy who just made my day, John Griffiths. Just PayPal your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. And know that you're going to probably go straight to heaven. Want to support us, but you just had to pay your taxes. You can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. You know, not enough people are doing this. Therefore, you may as well just post two. I think we've got close to 50 episodes now, so there's plenty to choose from. Tweet something nice about us. In fact, every time you see me tweet about an episode, retweet it. It's free. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell them how here in LA is spelled, And it's on Apple Podcasts and Google and Spotify. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who gave me his car keys for a week and said, just don't lose the baby seat, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and curators everywhere who are shining their light on artists who could really use it. Scream for me long, long baby